Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. On this podcast, let's step aside from our busy lives to have fun, fascinating, life-giving conversation with inspiring authors, pastors, sports personalities, and other influencers, leaders, and followers. Sit back, grab some coffee, or head down the road, and let's get the good and gold from today's guest. Here's Jeff Pinkleton, Executive Director of the Gathering of the Miami Valley, where their mission is to connect men to men and men to God. Hello, friends. Welcome again today to another episode of the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast, where we like to talk all things life, leadership, lessons therein, and we tend to do that in the spaces of sports, of comedy, of music, of books, pastors, all kinds of stuff. And today we hit on a number of those things. And we're also doing something today that we haven't done a ton before, but we're going to lean in on a topic today. And we're going to talk, as we did one other time, about grief as kind of a focal point of what we're doing. And I'm with, we cover the world of music really with both these ladies, but people who I consider near and dear and close friends and sisters in Christ and more. And one of them, I still have not been personally around. We've done a lot of action on a screen and talking, but not in person. But the in-person one who I've gotten to know is Amy Rolo or Savin, depending on where we are in the music world with her. And then Jenny McKendall's, uh, we got Florida covered. We got Michigan covered. It's a beautiful thing when we cover a variety of states. So ladies, friends, welcome. Thank you. I'm excited. Thanks. Uh, if there's anybody else I would want to be on this podcast with, it's Jenny McKendall's. So that's uh, great. I feel this My first one. This is my first podcast ever. Really? Have it How many have you been on, Amy? How many other podcasts have you been on? Oh gosh, I don't know. Lots. Have you? Lots. Yeah. Real quick, Amy and I met through a concert here at Rise FM, who are champions and great and allow this podcast to happen and kind of felt a little bit of a camaraderie or whatever. And then I felt like at some point down the road, we would connect and do something, hopefully music tied to her. And then that happened. I think it was right before COVID, wasn't it? Like yeah, 2019, it 2000, feels like 2019. Does that sound right? Yeah, it was. Or you know what? I think it was 2018. Yeah, 2019. Okay. And then yep. when COVID happened, I just kind of had this burden to try to encourage, bless you or whatever. We put together a Zoom call one night that I want to say we had like, I don't know, 15 to 20 people on there. And Jenny was on and something about Jenny just clicked. I'm like, I like that woman. If we grew up together, we would be super close friends, personality. Boy, this is going to sound egotistical. Felt like someone like me who I would really like. That sounds terrible. Sounds anything but humble. I was going to say, I think we're kind of twins. Yeah. From another yeah. mother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And oh. it was just cool to see God kind of move some of that stuff. And then we've had various conversations before. Did a Zoom call probably a month, month and a half ago. And I said, we need to take this conversation to be a podcast. And Jenny couldn't sign up fast enough. Okay, that's not true. <laughs> Amy was pretty willing. Jenny's like, no way, but... And so we're going to unpack some things. We kind of talked about that day and more. So let's start with uh, Jenny and then we'll go to Amy. Jenny, give us the three-minute testimony of you coming to Jesus. Okay. This is fun because mine's really boring. Come and, on. you know, I always have said that. And then one time I was in a small group and a guy leaned over to me that had just been a Christian for two years. 
and said, I would take your testimony over mine any day. Mm. Um, but mine, mine's kind of boring, but it is full of grace and mercy because of the Lord. I grew up in a, um, a wonderful Christian home. I have multiple, multiple pastors within our family, multiple generations, probably about 12 to 15 pastors between several generations. We were a local church family. I mean, we are dedicated to the local church. And at five years old, my eyes locked eyes with Jesus and he became my best friend. And I say that because as, you, as a kid, you don't understand the whole scope of who he is, mm-hmm. but you know that you can trust him. And I knew I could trust him. And the biggest thing that he gave me was companionship especially at, at night, when I had night terrors, Mm. he would be the one that I would call upon. And every single time he was faithful to give me a peace and a comfort and safety. So I knew him as a friend and somebody that I could call upon. So that started early. He then eventually became my savior and King. And now I say, ever since my early thirties, I would say, he's my first love. Mm. So he, he's, you know, you go through kind of different stages with him and, and how much you know him and mature and um, walk closely with him, but definitely is my first love now. So, you know, I've used this phrase a couple of times recently and it's stolen from Mike Donahue, who will be formerly of 10th Avenue North doing his own thing, who will be uh, coming to speak for us in October at a breakfast. But he talks about Jesus being savior. Usually it's a little bit afterwards or whatever, Lord. And then his, his third term, I really like his treasure. And I've been saying that mm-hmm. and giving him credit every time, Mike, if you hear this, I'm giving you credit for that every time, but people really yeah. resonate with that. Like, Ooh, that treasure part of that. I've never heard that. And so yeah. I really like how you were like kind of, yeah, I like how you're speaking to that Jenny, Amy, give us your three minute testimony. I, I'm just as boring as Jenny. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I, I grew up a pastor's kid and the background of my upbringing is very simplistic faith. Um, in some ways, very, very strict, but I was introduced to Jesus at a little age, I mean, in my mother's womb. And I just, there was never a moment. I can't remember a moment where I didn't know him, where I wasn't speaking to him. Um, the Lord would answer my prayers all throughout grade school. Like he was absolutely my, my best friend and mm, not a whole lot changed. I mean, as a teenager, I was baptized because that was the age that you were allowed to be baptized in the denomination I was in. And, but I've just, I've never been out of touch with him. And it's that simple. I mean, once you've tasted and seen, you can't unsee that stuff. You can't unsee him. And I'm so grateful because that's not the testimony of most of my siblings. Most of my siblings had a really, really rough journey to God. And that's not my story. And I, sometimes I wish I had this epic story of, and then, and then God came in and redeemed it all. And he did redeem my life. Absolutely. But not in the ways that maybe some more dramatic testimonies experience that. So, yeah, 
Good. Well, and I think what's neat about that is, you know, I sent you guys today is before we got started a little, the verse of the day on the YouVersion Bible app, this woman named Lydia, I think it was Lydia Laird, and just talk about whatever we go through, how it's, you know, really used a lot of times for other people and talking about uh, looking back over life and just seeing God be faithful. And I think, you know, while it's easy to poo-poo and say, well, this is not a dramatic, life-changing, life-altering wild story uh there's god's grace and protection and all kinds of things in that so people need to and will relate to both of your you know stories that way so as i said before you guys are both passionate purposeful energetic women what are maybe a couple areas just so people get to know you better And we'll start with you on this one amy areas where you're like okay these are things i'm passionate about i know the answer to that on some level but what's what are a couple areas of like these are passion points for me I mean, I'll just go to the names that the Lord's called me. One is healer. One is justice. Those are two names he gave to me several years ago. And so I'm passionate about seeing people set free, you know, modern day slavery, bringing justice to that. I'm passionate about people getting to know the father that loves them and has wanted them since forever. And that's where sort of the healing aspect of my nature comes in where I'm, my main goal in life is to anybody I'm discipling or in contact with, like teach them to go to the source. Like I can only counsel you for so long. In fact, my 3000 of my words doesn't even equal to one of his. Mm. So that's where the, the healing aspect of what I feel called to do comes in and teaching them Papa's voice. And that lands on. I have a website, a letter from Papa. Say that, say that, make sure people know it. A letter from papa.com. It's just me um, imagining what the kindest papa would say to his kids in various circumstances. And it started off as letters for me that I would just imagine between me and the Lord. And eventually I was doing it for other people. And I was like, you know what? I think a lot of people would really resonate with this. And so I just made it public on mm-hmm. that website. So a letter from papa.com. And that plays into yeah. your assignment to tell them what you're doing kind of for a career ministry assignment these days? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a worship pastor at Radiant Church in Ann Arbor, and then I'm also still writing, recording, and releasing worship music. So sometimes in a concert setting or even in our worship, I've I've read some of those, those letters. And actually the house concert yeah. that Jeff and uh, Jeff helped me put together, that was a big part of the the uh, the night, just 100%. reading that. And people would come undone. And I was like, okay, something's on us. I need to keep pursuing it. Yeah, I love that. And those are, those are really good. People should definitely make note and check those out. So Jenny, share your couple of passion points and how does that play out in also telling people about what your assignment day job of sorts is? Awesome. Um, I would say if I had to put it in a nutshell, things, something that gets me up in the morning or keeps me awake at night because it's a fire in my belly is relationship versus religion. People understanding that having, I think where this kind of came from too, is having grown up in a very pastoral family the mantle, like I said before, was passed down everywhere. So I was around pastors a lot. I know church really well. Mm. <laughs> I know religion really well. And it's not to say that all of my 
cousins and uncles and you know everybody that's in our family that are into that but i could at a very young age see where you can slip into the roteness of a religion and the box and i knew that i didn't want that it's kind of like amy knowing her name that the lord calls her the lord calls me freedom sure does mm. so yeah so the relationship, I want to convey that every way I can at every moment in the day wow. that I can with people and what that looks like and having that relationship with him through asking questions and being curious and not, not just taking what people are giving you and telling you about the Lord you ask questions, you seek on your own, you worship him, you adore him, you, everything that you can in order for that to be a solid relationship, instead of just something that I've read in a book or somebody's told me, that's what keeps me up at night. Mm. Like, how can I convey that to people? I do, I have a passion for women as well, specifically ministering in that way to women on Facebook, I do have a page called Club 33, and there's a whole story as to why that's called Club 33. I realize that's a Disney thing, but 33 has is a significant number between me and the Lord, and um, we can get into that when we start talking about grief as yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. One of the things, because I don't yeah. want to forget this, I didn't have this on a script, but how do you two avoid... You know, Jenny, you talked about, I know a lot about churches. I know a lot about pastors, the Big C Church. The, as you kind of started going down that road and even your smile as you were saying that, it's so easy for people in this day and age to go rogue, to deconstruct, to go watch. You know, there's obviously series on various streaming platforms that are kind of bashing a various church ministry thing that's gone rogue, and it's just easy to pile on. How have both of you taken a higher road to love and see the purpose in Jesus is the answer. His vehicle he uses is the church. How do you guys stay focused there and not go astray? What are some maybe practical tips, encouragement for people listening? Because everybody around us seems to want to go rogue and bash and hate the church. Well, I grew up in it. Now, you know, this, or I'm walking away because of this. Let's start with Amy on that one. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is Jesus calls the church his bride. Like Jesus is madly in love with his bride and I cannot separate Jesus from his bride. It's like someone saying, Amy, I like you, but I don't like Peter. Well, then you don't like me. You don't mm -hmm. love me. Yeah. So I can't love Jesus and not love his bride, no matter how sick she is. That's and, good. Buddy. You know, it's like, I think about the story of Noah when he's drunk and naked. One of his sons shames him exposes the shame and the other one covers it up. And I think if I love the bride, I need to love her enough to cover up her shame. It's not saying that you can't call the church out when it needs to repent. But what I'm saying is my goal and my heart is restoration, not just simply calling it out for the sake of gossip. And the closer you are to the lamb, the more you feel his heart beating for his bride, you can't help but have compassion on his bride. And I'm part of the bride and I'm not going to live it out perfectly, but I think that's the whole point is like, we are part of the problem, but we're also part of the solution Man. with the living Christ in us. And um, remembering that 
it's for his glory that we stay faithful and we keep being patient with the the fallen nature of humanity and we keep per, we keep persisting even though people are unfaithful even though there are scandals even though there are there is hypocrisy it's for his glory that we we still press in and serve and pray for her pray for the bride and ultimately one day she will be fully restored because that's what he's worthy of he's worthy of a unified and purified bride and i can't stand on meet god face to face and be like i'm part of the good side mm. of the bride and this is the bad like it's all we're all in it yeah. so when part of the bride is 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 hurting i'm hurting yeah well and i like how you made that comparison I can go on i like how you made that comparison to you and peter and it's just so ridiculous to me that people could actually act like or talk like you can separate those two. Like I can love Jesus, but I can hate the church because what you get left with is what Gandhi said about, you know, I love, I love your Jesus. It's these Christians. I'm not so sure about or whatever. And I'm like, you know, how do we, how do we not see that? Like, why is that so a blind point mm -hmm. to so many people? So Jenny, where would you pick up on that from what Amy was saying? This is an interesting question because I'm the director of communications for Woodland Community Church out of Bradenton, Florida. Hey, hey. <laughs> and I love my job, love it, but I'm in the thick of it. And everything that goes out digitally, all communication regarding this campus is really from my department. So this is where I'm going to kind of come in here. I love what Amy said. I'm going to piggyback on what you said too, in that we have to, as a church, make sure that we are always pointing everyone right to Jesus and his face. I think what has gone on in the past is that, and I want to talk about brick and mortar church right now, because that's who I'm working for too. We want everyone to think, come to this building and everything's going to be wonderful. And we pointed them to our worship teams and our buildings and our facilities and our programming. And those will always fall short, always somewhere, because it's human things. But in the communication and my style and what I've done here at Woodland is everything regarding website, digital apps, print, everything is pointing people towards his face and his face only. We're going to help along that journey mm. to his face, but it literally is all about him. So we don't want you to come to Woodland. We want you to know Jesus, Amen. period. However, we can help in that is why we're here. Amen. We're not here to make you come to our building and come to our services and come to our programming. We want you to go to the lap of the Lord and we want you to know him specifically. Ooh, the lap of the Lord. Dang, it's, that was good. It's something about that lap, right, Aim? Sit right up in it. That's so good. Well, let's do this. Let's kind of teeter. We said we were going to get into this. So let's get in it. And we're going to start it with you, Jenny. And, you know, try, maybe try to keep sound bites a little bit to a couple minutes because we could easily go long and in some of these areas. And that way I can do some good follow-up questions or whatever. But talk about we got two very different types of grief we're going to deal with today from where both of you come from. So, Jenny, why don't you share a little bit of your grief story? Sure. So about 10 years ago, I reconnected 
having been divorced and I was single for a couple of years, reconnected with a friend from high school named Rob McKindles. And we had known each other since we were 14 years old. And um, at the time he was divorced as well. And we just became friends talking. He's brand new Christian. So that's kind of what I had seen him say something on Facebook. That's what sparked my interest. I needed to know how did he become a Christian? So long story short, Rob and I got married and happily married for eight years. And two years ago, during the big COVID everything, Rob, after a student camp that he was working for the summer, had contracted COVID. And I'm just going to make it really short here. Within seven weeks, he passed away. So my grief journey, I know, is completely different than a lot of people's, and you can't compare them. But those seven weeks while he was sick and dying, we were hoping he would recover. The Lord became so close to me that it's as, he was as close as, as us talking and cared for me and counseled me and supernatural things happened during that time. Well, on August 18th, which is only in two days, Rob passed away. And I just want to go back really quick and and remember or remind you guys that 33 is a number that the Lord and I have always shared for probably at least 20, 25 years now that he, he sees me, he knows me and he loves me. That's whenever I see that. And it's been significant through my life. Well, that morning of August 18th, I woke up at 3.33 and to a phone call and he had passed. He was in the middle, right? They have to get you on the phone when it's a cold, cold blue. But he passed at 3.33. And I knew at that very moment, the Lord was saying, Jenny, I see you. I know you. I love you. And I knew that this was kind of an assignment from the Lord. And throughout that day that he passed, just in grief, obviously, the Lord said, Jenny, I never take away without giving you back plus. And he said, I'm giving you the oil of joy and gladness. And I can, I am here to testify. And the Lord says that it can't be taken away. Because the last two years, I've walked in grief with joy and gladness, and almost to the point that I can't make myself feel devastated. Yes, I'm sad. Yes, I have those moments of loneliness without Rob and missing him. But this journey has rocked my life with the Lord. It's just been incredible, and I'm so thankful for his grace. Can you you expand on what you said to me and Amy on the phone a few weeks ago when you talked about the word fine and how that applied to you with where you were and where you, what Rob said to you and how that's played out. So Rob never thought he was prophetic, (laughs) but throughout the the last few years before he passed, he, he often talked about passing away early in life. I'm like, no, you're not. You are not going to leave me here at this age. (laughs) You're not going to do that. He's like, I'm just telling you, you're going to be fine. 
He's like, you and Jesus are going to do the same things you always do. You're going to play your worship. You're going to love on him. Um, I take baths at night with Jesus. Everybody knows that's my Jesus bath. Have for 25 years. It's just something my good friends know about me. He's like, you're going to take your bath at night with Mm -hmm. Jesus. You'll be fine. You walk with him so close, Jen, you're going to be fine. And guess what? I'm fine. He was right. And see, I I don't want people to capture something where they're like, okay, I don't know her. She's full of crap. I mean, it's like Amy would see it. I, I, it's legit. I mean, there's, it's not even a debatable thing. I don't think, I mean, not you know, like you said, you miss him, you miss times with him, you miss whatever you you said, there's times you're lonely, but you're fine. It's his goodness Mm -hmm. and kindness. He is sufficient. He is enough. And that's why I feel so honored and I know this sounds crazy to people, but I feel honored that I have this assignment mm. of suffering to lose my husband and be able to show the relationship that the Lord and I have, that he is enough. He still is good. He's still a healer. He's still sovereign. He's still a comforter. He is the best. He has given me everything I need even though my earthly husband has passed, mm-hmm. you can still stay in joy. You can still stay in gladness and faith and trust and everything. Yeah. Thank you, Jenny. Amy, tell us a bit of your journey of grief for you and Peter. Yeah. Well, I won't go into any specifics, but it's a grief that has been ongoing for five years and it's increasingly got heavier. And There's a point in your grief where at least where I arrived was like, either I will have to learn how to worship or I'll die. It's like, I'm going to worship or die. There was a movement that I heard, actually the book's right here, Joel and Linda Budd, they coined a phrase, fill me or kill me. (laughs) Like, I want all of you, Lord, or I want none. Like, and, and that's kind of where... I've ended up in my grief is either I will worship or I will die. Either I will exist in this fire and it'll be excruciating and it'll destroy me or, or I will lock eyes with the fourth Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Mm. and the Christ, or I will lock eyes with the fourth and it'll be the most exhilarating, most exciting, safest place I could ever be. And it's about keeping your eyes on him because what I have found is that this has been the hardest thing I've had to carry and yet the most extraordinary experience of my life and uh like I mean tangibly experiencing God on two occasions I mean more but two significant occasions where the Lord literally falls on my body and I think the Lord's been paying attention to prayers I've prayed for a long time this is one question I've asked him almost daily is, God, who is the most surrendered person on this earth and what are they doing? Mm. And I don't expect him to answer me, but it's a fascinating question because I want to know. I want to know what that looks like, what it feels like. The other question I ask all the time and I posted this recently is, how much of God do you want? Yeah. Because that, that question just got posed to my world when I saw you posted that. I'm like, ah, that just got thrown out into my world too. That was really cool. I mean, it's an epic question. 
how much do you want? Because the reality is, is you can have as much as you want. Mm -hmm. The other reality is that he wants to give himself. So then there's technically no problem. So what are we all doing? Yeah. Why aren't we going around transforming the earth? It's because we actually don't ask for him. But the, the tricky thing is, is when you ask for him, the ones he loves, he crushes. The ones he anoints, he crushes because he's making way for more room for himself. Oh. And if you're not willing to go through that, you're not ready to carry him. There's one weight in this life we were meant to carry, and it's the weight of his glory. Mm. And a lot of us have not asked for that. Well, I feel like you're speaking like some Tozer, you know, some oh, Andrew yeah. Murray, C.S. Lewis, kind of stuff there when you say some of that. So let me ask this. So you guys, again, back to what we said earlier, you guys are both fans and believers and strong proponents of the local church and the big C church. What are maybe a couple of really practical, specific examples of where you've seen the local church and the big C church really love you guys well in the midst of that? Let's start with Amy. Oh, my gosh. I can't even start. I'm actually working on a teaching about the power of spiritual family. It's the highest form of family. Totally surpasses biological family. The spiritual kingdom family of Christ, it, there's nothing like it. It is heaven. It is heaven on mm. earth. Yeah. And um, I mean, Jenny herself, there was a time where I was like, Jenny, like you need to pray this spirit of depression. And I felt like there was hopelessness pursuing me very hardcore. And I, and I told Jenny, like, you, I need to meet with you. And so she took me to the throne room. And I mean, the way she prayed over me, I was like, Jenny, you're talking, you're praying over me. Like, like he's sitting right beside you. And Jenny says, well, Amy, he is, he really is. And the amount of prayer, physical affection. I mean, physical affection is huge mm. to have spiritual fathers and mothers just be with you. And I mean, like holding your hand, just that, like, I am not letting go kind of firm grasp. Yeah. There's, I, you, you can't, uh, what I experienced and it's a long story, so I won't tell it on this podcast, but cause I told you guys in the, uh, or other zoom call, what I experienced from my church family one night as they just hovered around me and, and prayed over me, like they were praying over the one they loved most. What I discovered in that moment is there is a place so deep inside love mm. where nothing else hurts. Mm. Say that again. There is a place so deep inside love where nothing hurts. Wow. It's Jenny, Jenny, you got to respond to that. Let, let's pause. Amy. Say something to that, Jenny. Wow, that's some good stuff. Well, this is the thing. And that's a great quote that you just said, Aim, to sum up what happened when Rob passed in that, you know, we were called from Michigan to Florida to an area, Bradenton, that we had never been, never heard of, to a Woodland Community Church we had never heard of, knowing numerous pastors everywhere. It's a, just a huge history. And here we end up in a church I've never heard of. And the Lord knew this was going to happen to Rob. He knew I would be here alone going through this. And he knew the community of people that I would need to surround me. And it wasn't even family, biological family. It was 
strangers that I had just met. We were here two years before he passed. They surrounded me. Oh my goodness. They surrounded me with love of the father I've never felt in my entire life. Never. Until you go to a place this deep, this hard, this big of a suffering, you don't know the depth of his love that much. So that's kind of the, the wonderful blessing and that comes that you know him at a deeper level and you know his body at a deeper mm -hmm. level because they all communicated his love in physical ways, in every sense, because when you're going through this, you need sensory things. Mm. Yes. I don't need it just in my head thinking, great, you're loving me, Lord. I need it in every, I need physical touch. I need to hear it. I need eyeballs on me. I need all of it, all of it. And he provided all of that. So for you to say that you can go to a depth of love where pain I completely agree with that. And I experienced it because it covered tragedy and trauma that was happening, especially during the sickness of Rob. It was traumatic, but the love of this family here, oh my gosh, so it just kind of it's like a balm of Gilead. Or yeah. Let, let's pick up on that, Amy. So Jenny referenced eyeballs on it even too. How how do you deal with the weight of like I'm sure people are watching you. I mean, you you're gonna you're gonna make community happen really quick any place you go. So your church in Ann Arbor, there's gonna be people know who you are, know who Peter is, yada, 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 and other places where you have community. How do you deal with the weight of, you know, people watching you? They're wanting to see how you respond. Obviously, I think both of you do that in a very God honoring, glorifying to him kind of way. What is that? I mean, have you seen stories of where people have really grown in their faith based on experience and watching you? Oh, yeah. I mean, play that out. We've gotten some college students from U of M, which happens to be one of the best places for students to grow, to do the music program. And they send them all to our team, which is great. We get a lot of great singers. But some of our U of M students, when they first started coming and they knew of, about my struggles, some of the songs that I was writing and singing with our church house, those girls are like, Amy, we can't even sing. We can't even sing them. Like there's just, we just fall into a puddle on the floor. Like there's such a weight in your worship, especially knowing what you're having to carry. And it has, I think in some ways confused people that are going through the exact same thing I'm going through. Like, are you even feeling the pain of what you're going through? Because you don't seem to live as a victim. And just like you, Jenny, it's like, yes, yes, you do feel the weight of it. And there have been moments where it's almost consumed me, mm -hmm. but the Lord is so faithful. I remember one, one time, especially where I had essentially told God that he was not all powerful. That wow. he, someone sent me a song, there is power in the name of Jesus, one of my spiritual fathers. And I showed up at a staff meeting and I told Papa Rod, I was like, no, there's not, no, there's not power wow. in the name of Jesus. And that very day, the power of God falls on my body in a physical, tangible way. 
And, and so like the Lord keeps us, he's like, I'm not going to let you get there, baby girl. I know, I know what circumstances trying to throw at you. And so people looking in on your life, I am, I have a gift on my life for authenticity. So I'm not going to package things up and pretend they're all good. So I'm going to share at degrees that is, is helpful. And I think that's important in your suffering and grief to be both authentic, but then to let the Lord fill you so that his power can be made known. And I think mm. that's what people in my, in my community have experienced. They've seen how, how hard it is to carry, but they've also seen the Christ be magnified. And yeah. I'm like, I'll take that any day. I like what you're both saying and you use the word, Jenny, Amy, you've referred to it without saying it, but you're making this very sensory, like getting the touch from God, from people on all those ways, physical, hearing it, speaking it, reading, I mean, you know, whatever it may be. And I think that, that's probably really important. I want to stay in kind of the emotional fills and kind of make these quick hitting answers. I'm going to start with Jenny. What these days, you know, today, as we speak right around this time, what makes you laugh? And then we'll go to you, Amy. Funny people that have witty sense of humors or look at life really like funny in a funny way. Okay. That That's what keeps me laughing all the time. I'm going to help you out with that. Go on Amazon Prime and watch the show Jury Duty. Okay. You'll see lots of funny on that. So. Okay. Amy, what about you? What makes you laugh these days? Oh, yeah. People for sure. Peter, he's probably one of the funniest people in my world. Kids, all my nephews, nieces, people for sure. And animals. There you go. (laughs) My wife's amen in that one somewhere with our cat Willow since we've become cat lovers over the last two plus years. So let's stay on the same vein, crying. What makes you cry these days, Amy? Presence of the Lord. I have a ministry of tears unto him. Every time he shows up, I'm just like a mess. Try leading worship. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's interesting about that. I, when I was, I told you guys, I was talking to Kevin Brown, the president of Asbury, and we talked about how you kind of knew this was real and what, how long did it take for you to realize something significant was going on at Asbury. He goes, it was actually that first afternoon. He goes, him and a couple different staff members on the team at Asbury at the different points had walked. I think it was in Hughes Hall where things were going on and he would make eye contact and without saying a word, they would just be emotional. And they said, he said something about the emotion. You knew God was up to something. So I appreciate where you're taking that, that back with that and tears are being with Jesus. What about you, Jenny? What's, what makes you cry these days? Hey, this is the thing. Amy and I are so connected. I know. I'm getting the same answers. So I should say that. Why am I asking two people the same question? I'm going to get the same answer. I know. Yes. If you, and Amy even knows, because the last time I wailed, it was from something she sent me. And the presence of the Lord threw me to the ground. I'm not even kidding. And it was like, I just cried because his presence and mm. his perfection and his holiness and his glory was right in that room. I couldn't even get up for like literally 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Could not. That's it wrecks me, his goodness. So, okay, Jenny, we'll we'll get, let you go first. Maybe Amy will come up with a different answer. What makes you mad these days? Probably the deception that's going on just very in a blatant way that the, the veil is very thin right now between between good and evil, if you will, without going into deep theological discussion. It's very thin and the enemy is being very provoked and very blatant in how he's showing up. 
And that makes me very angry. Sure. Amy, what, what makes you mad these days? I'm like trying to think of something different than Jenny, but like, I mean, essentially I get angry at, uh, all the powerlessness that God's mm. kids feel, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'll be very honest. I'm praying for the men to return to church for fathers to step up and, and, and I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not vill villainizing men, but I think there's been attack on men. The, the church is often filled with women and I'm like, Lord, bring them in because the enemy knows you destroy the father, the whole family. Well, yeah. keep praying that way because with you two both being prayer warriors of mine, I know that, that means you're only going to pray for me more. So I, I'm glad you're landing. We up. are so grateful for it. Oh, God, man, and Jeff, let me just say like, Lord, bring us the men, yeah. restore the family, Jesus. So Amy, what's given you a lot of hope these days? Where are you full of hope? Oh my gosh. I feel like so full of the spirit of God that like, I don't know if I can stand literally physically stand and worship sometimes. And that gives me hope because God is doing something in our day and age. He is, he is restoring the purity of his bride mm. and she is becoming empowered wow. in every single way. And I'm hopeful because the Lord is restoring the spiritual gifts to the church and the theological truth and depth, spirit and truth. There's been division over those two things for so long. And he's like, I am all of it. I am all of it. And that gets me excited because I see it happening all over in churches that you don't think the Holy Spirit, they that they would uh, expect the Holy Spirit to move. He is moving in their midst. And I, I'm stoked. I'm yeah. so grateful. Love that. Jenny, where are you going with this one? Similar. The quality of the bride, I completely see him. Um, well, we know he wants to return to a pure, healthy, and beautiful bride. And I, you can just see it happening. And I understand that there are people falling away that have tried to walk the talk, but they're not. They can't even, they can't. So the quality of the bride, you see it not only globally in the big C church, but also in the local churches where we're really becoming steadfast in the majors, majoring on the majors and minoring on the minors. Mm. Uh, spine issues are becoming more important. Thank you, Lord, instead of rib issues that we all want to disagree on. We know we're going to disagree on some of those gray areas, and that's okay. He left some of those things for us to stay in relationship so we would discuss. There, there wasn't a definitive. He knows the definitive, but he, he, they're intentionally gray, so we would stay connected and keep chewing on things. But I see that bride just becoming more and more beautiful and pure. So that's exciting. Amen. Well, we're going to be super quick. You got to be really quick on these. We're going to, we're not going to leave out the uh, rapid five. So we're going to go super quick, quick answer, move on. Amy, what is your favorite childhood snack or cereal? Mom's chocolate chip cookies. There you go. Pretty safe, pretty to the point. Jenny, what about you? Swedish fish. Swedish fish. All right. <laughs> what is your favorite book you most want to gift to other people? For me, it's The Shack. Jenny, you can't say the I, same answer. I saw you shake your head. Don't go there. 
Nope. Secrets of the Vine, Bruce Wilkinson. Uh, we have definitely talked about that one. All right, you got these three options. I'm going to assume you've covered the West Coast version of this, but you get your choice of McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, or hopefully you've been to In-N-Out Burger. Where are you going? Uh, I'm mostly vegetarian. I do, but so Chick-fil-A, perhaps. Okay. Not not, <laughs> I live in not a lot of excitement I, with that one, but we got to go with what we got to go with. Jenny, how about you? Lived in the ATL for eight years, so of course, Chick-fil-A. There you go. Pretty straightforward <laughs> and to the point. What's the movie that if you guys were to stumble across it at any time, you're pulled in, you got it, they've got you for everything they're worth there? What movie? Jenny? Out of Africa. Amy? I don't, I don't know. My favorite movie is Jurassic Park. I'll watch it all day, every day. Well, there you go. That's your answer. All right. Lastly, who was your first celebrity crush, Amy? I, I looked at this question and I, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. I know who my first crush was in kindergarten, but celebrity crush, I couldn't tell you. You don't have like that guy that when he comes on a movie or something like, you're like, oh, that's a, yeah. See, like I've always said, here, I'll give you an example. Of something. I've always said Rachel McAdams, the actress. Like every woman wants to be her best friend, I bet. And every guy would say, yeah, she's great. Like she's one of I'll tell you, like in today, like he wasn't like my first crush or anything, but somebody that I think is so fun is Robert Downey Jr. Oh, yeah. Who plays Iron Man. Yeah. His interview on, yeah. uh, what was that? Uh, was it on Netflix or whatever with David Letterman? On David Letterman's new, uh, maybe it's uh, Disney. His new thing that he's been doing for a few years, his interview with Robert Downey was interesting on his farm. And he's got all these crazy exotic animals and stuff. Yeah, he's... he's okay. Yeah. And there's actually, you know what? I take that back. There's actually a documentary uh, that came out probably the last four or five months with Robert Downey about his dad's passing away and kind of their last days together that was really interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Jenny, what's your answer to that question? First celebrity crush? You're going to give me a good one. I know it. I am. Because since Rob was an actor, singer, dancer, and on oh. Broadway, I would say he was my first celebrity. Oh! Wow. Dang. And my last. Dang. So you get to use that. It's not a cop-out one, but you get to use that. Look at that. I know. I don't have to good. make one up for you. Well, um, ladies, always a pleasure. Appreciate you two more than you'll ever know. And if anybody wants to know more, or wants to hear a story, or I know Amy in the past, particularly since we've known each other longer, uh, is great about letting people connect that way. So if you uh, listen to this, want to know more about them or how to connect with them, let me know versus taking the time to go through that now. So ladies, can't wait till the next conversation. Thank you so much, Jeff. It was awesome. It was wonderful. Much love, you guys. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at gatheringmiamivalley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.